Oh, hello there, back for more, David Lynch Month. The boys are talking about the 1986 movie Blue Velvet, starring Isabella Rossellini, Kyle MacLachlan, and Dennis Hopper. The movie is about the discovery of a severed human ear found in a field, leads a young man on an investigation related to a beautiful, mysterious nightclub singer and a group of psychopathic criminals who have kidnapped her child. So let's listen to Big Trouble in Little Podcast and fuck Heineken. Drink Pabst Blue Ribbon. It is Thursday, October 19, 2023, and it's 10.42 p.m. It is 260 episodes. Oh, dubs, you silly goose. It's episode 261. Episode of Big Trouble with Podcast. I'm Joe Dubs. I'm Andy. I'm Zach. <laughs> and Chaz is still dead. We don't know when he's coming back and, uh, you know, from the dead and all that stuff. It's going to run out of October. That's the only month you can come back from the dead. Yeah, he's dead. He's fucked. He received a love letter from me, and he's fucked forever. <laughs> and if you haven't noticed, we're still doing David Lynch month, and we're up to Blue Velvet. I was going to sing it, but then I de- decided not to. Because well, you you've got a very Frank Sinatra velvety tone. You should have sang it. I should have, but we're past <laughs> that now. <laughs> um, so Blue Velvet, starring... The guy, Kyle McLaughlin. McLaughlin, who is the FBI agent in Twin Peaks. And Dale Cooper. Laura Dern. She should have won an Oscar. She's amazing. <laughs> She's just great and everything. David yeah. Lynch tried. He tried so hard. He brought a cow with him. He tried there, for there, there was another. Times. There was another cast member from uh, Twin Peaks in this movie. Did you guys catch him? Oh, shit. Oh, who was it? Uh, I can't remember who he is in Twin Peaks, but when they go to that weird place and have the beer. Um... Oh, you're talking about Jack Nance. He was there. Yeah. He's Pete. Yeah. Yeah. I, I saw P- Jack Nance is in this movie. I'm like, where the fuck is he at in this movie? I don't remember yeah, that. He, um, <laughs> uh, Brad DeRiff is like showing him his, yeah. his switchblade. And he's like, here today, gone tomorrow. And uh, uh, he's like, uh, 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 that doesn't scare me. And then he, he's, he's all like, like, what? In the background, and he has like two lines. That's it. He's like, what's your name? And he's like, Jeffrey. And he just like stares at him for like nine seconds or some shit and goes, yeah, nods his head and walks away. And then he comes back later and he's like, I'm, I'm Pete or whatever the fuck that guy's name right. was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's weird. And Brad DeRiff's weird. Brad DeRiff, who, by the way, is from the same hometown that Zach is. How do you like that? Hell yeah. Uh, uh, Huntington, West Virginia night right there. Nice. This fucking cast is pretty awesome. It has Dennis Hopper, by the way, which we'll get to him soon with all his fucking quotes. Uh, Isabella Rosalini and fucking from Quantum Leap, Dean Stockwell. He's so suave, man. <laughs> so I actually like the cast of this movie. I thought it was solid uh, and everything. But I the, the intro to this movie is fucking I like it. 
because like on the surface like everything is nice and shit and then it like zooms into the fucking ground and all the cockroaches are there and i guess that's the theme is like oh everything is nice and pretty and you know as deeper you go into society it ugly it, it gets in a way yeah, and it kind of shows throughout that in the movie yeah really really nice metaphor i think almost anybody could get i maybe <laughs> I thought it was creepy the fucking fireman waving and shit in slow motion. <laughs> it's, like, a, it's supposed to make you think, oh, look at this idyllic Americana rural little town. Yeah. Like this this movie it, it somehow feels like it takes place in both 1986 and like 1950 or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was like a time warp. It was really really weird. Especially with like the ambulances. D- did they have those type of ambulances in the eighties? I don't. The, both the both the ambulance and the fire truck seem like anachronistic, but yeah. I, I don't know what the full story is there. Like maybe like, maybe uh, Lumberton is just so rural they just have outdated shit. I don't know. Maybe or maybe David Lynch is like I want old cars. Yeah, I think <laughs> yeah, that's possible. Some of that's like his nostalgia for the fifties coming through because that's like when he grew up primarily, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's what he's kind of trying to do. Like this movie's a, a neo-noir. So he's just making a fifties movie with eighties trappings or vice versa. Maybe it's more of a, like a crime movie with classic fifties trappings. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But, um, what do you call it? Jeffrey is going through the field. His father just had a stroke and even like that scene was like kind of hokey in a way because he's like struggling to say something and it has like that soap opera feel to it like oh my god my son has to grow up and do things now and so sad and then they then they move on and jeffrey's going through the field and he finds the ear uh now i gotta ask you guys a question i know it's a movie but i'm putting it into your point of view if you found an ear in the middle of the field will you be like oh my god let me get a bag and bring it to the police what do you guys uh, yeah, i mean i'd report it i don't know if i'd put it in a bag but yeah, i don't know if i'd pick it up i probably would call the police and be like hey i'm standing here and there's like an ear in yeah the i don't know that i'd search it yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm i'm gonna chalk that up to like his headspace is just really messed up right now because his dad just had a stroke and he's just like i don't know what to do and he yeah it's saw... probably a fucky place to be yeah yeah mm. That's I think that explains a lot of his behavior throughout this movie. Like he's just like sort of mentally displaced right now. And then he like found a weird mystery rabbit hole to get into. Kind yeah, of he really wants to get into it for better or worse. Yeah. Do you think I know like never experience? Yeah. Never look into <laughs> David Lynch's fucking movies because one, he'll never explain what it is. Good. And two, don't fucking try to th- overthink things. But what if, I'm trying if to... I was in a room, if I was in a hospital room, and David Lynch was dying in front of me, and there was like <laughs> a bunch of media around, they're like, "Oh, David Lynch is gonna, he's gonna share his final thoughts." If and David Lynch was like, "And you know what? I'm gonna finally tell you what all of my movies are about." Okay, so and and then I grab a pillow and suffocate him. No, no, no! Don't ruin your art. Don't do it. Don't tell him. <laughs> don't do it. And he'd be like, oh, and then he'd die. And then I'd get arrested for murder. I guess. So but I would have saved arts. <laughs> you pull a James Sunderland and save art. Yeah. I, I mean, that, that, that's overly dramatic. But, but my point is good, David Lynch. Don't don't fucking spoon feed your movies to the masses. That's not how that's not how these films are made to be consumed. 
No. Do you think Jeffrey was kind of like growing up in this movie? Because like he's he's pretty much going from like a young adult and then almost kind of becoming the man of the family a little bit because he has to go to the hardware store, the hardware store and cover for his dad and everything. And then he gets into the mess with the whole, I guess, mafia. Is Dennis Hopper pretty much the mafia? Not mafia, just like semi-organized crime yeah yeah he's just got his own racket he does and he's involved with other people that have I mean, not rackets. all organized crime is like the mafia or the yakuza i mean this isn't grand theft auto 3 they're, they're just criminals yeah and, and obviously he's going through some type of love phase where he's <laughs> with that was she russian by the way dorothy valens what what was her uh Italian? She, she's i thought well, with a name like that, well, now she's married. I forgot. So if yeah. she had her name changed. The actress has an Italian name. That's the only reason I think that. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, oh, my God. Let, let, let's get into that scene kind of way. Because what happens is he finds the ear. He reports it to the detective. The detective's like, I'm a cop. Don't go investigating. And Jeffrey just ignores that and goes investigating with uh, uh, the detective's daughter. Because she's, you know intrigued and everything and they do this whole i'm gonna go in as a bug spray person and you're supposed to honk the horn when uh you know they're coming mm-hmm. and then she honks the horn and he flushes the toilet and he doesn't hear why, the why is he doing that i don't know he had heineken. He had i know oh heineken no bad frog <laughs> oh real quick um if you guys already know then whatever uh, how old would you say Laura Dern was when this movie was made? Late I'm going to say 28. Okay, how old do you think Kyle McLaughlin was? Uh, Late 20s. 29? Okay, I mean, you guys were pretty much right on the money with Kyle McLaughlin. He's 27. Laura Dern is 18. Jesus what? Christ. Holy she, she does not look I was like, these both of them look like they're in their goddamn late twenties. And I looked it up and I was like, well, I'll be goddamned. <laughs> I thought Laura Dern was older than that. Yeah, I, I I genuinely did too. I was very surprised. I, I read that on like Wikipedia or IMDb, and then I fact checked it myself by looking up her date of birth. Oh. When I, the movie was made. I hit the button by accident. Sorry. <laughs> You fuck! You fucked it up! I was boring you. <laughs> <laughs> what were you saying? <sighs> that, that was it. I said it all. Okay. <laughs> I hit the fucking intro button. God damn it. My bad. Uh, yeah, Laura Dern. So she did Jurassic Park in her early 20s? I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess she's... It's 86 and she was 18 and Jurassic Park came out in 93. So add 7... So she was 26? Yeah. She looks like in her 30s in fucking Jurassic Park. (laughs) She's an old looking I don't know what to tell you. I mean, she's still beautiful, but, you know. She kind of, like, looked like an adult and stayed that way all the way up until, like, I guess the last 10 years. Now she looks age appropriate. (laughs) Right. That's kind of what, what I mean. Like, she just looked older than she actually was for most of her career, I think. Yeah. Can't complain about that, I guess. Usually it's the other way around. Usually they're casting, you know, 28-year-olds and it's like you're a junior in high school. Okay. <laughs> Hello, fellow kids. <laughs> yeah, and um 
How old is Jeffrey supposed to be? I was under the impression he was in his probably early, like 20, 21, because he's talking about how he was going to college. Right. And she was in high school. So I guess it kind of adds up for her, right? (laughs) She's uh, the appropriate age. That was right. She'd be a senior in high school or or just after it. (laughs) Man. So she's supposed to honk the horn. He hides in the closet because he didn't hear the fucking horn honking and stuff. Uh, and then we get that weird scene with the fucking Dorothy. Just the one weird scene in this movie, luckily. No, there's <laughs> the first time, weird scene. Every the time Dennis time. Hopper's on there, it's weird. But no, especially like this was like the total weird from Dennis Hopper because he's looking at her vagina. Oh, you skipped over the weirdness of her finding Jeffrey in the closet. I mean, that's weird as well. That's oh, yeah, really that's weird. right. <laughs> It's all weird. It's all strange. She finds him in there, and then it's like you know, undress and stuff. And then he, I guess he needs to, he has to fuck his way out of this jam or so. I don't know what the hell happens. But uh, it's almost like a porno in a way, sorta. I guess like it's you could make that porno. Everyone's emotionally charged, and also she's obviously like. I mean, this this kind of stuff's hard to talk about without sounding insensitive. She's you know, damaged goods and a little weird she likes to get hit I don't, I don't know i don't know what to say about about that <laughs> yeah but the, the whole dennis hopper thing where he's that that's drugs right yeah yeah every everyone who's ever seen this movie has has this conversation it's like what what was what was uh what was he doing what was frank booth doing in all those scenes and everyone's like i don't know huffing drugs and then inevitably everyone tries to google what drugs do you huff out of like a, a canister? And I don't think any exist. I think it's just some weird shit that Dennis Hopper and or David Lynch came up with like on the fly. You don't think it'd be like laughing gas or something? Well, that that's if you Google it, a lot of people are like, well, maybe it's like like the kind of gas they use at a dentist's office or maybe it's something else. But um, all the stuff that people guess it could be don't produce the kind of responses that's that Frank shows in the movie. So it's either that or another an, an alternative theory is that it's something that interacts with another drug that Frank is taking. Because in that one scene where they visit his friend, he like pops a pill in his mouth. Yeah. So maybe he's on something and the gas is interacting with the whatever the amphetamines or the uppers or whatever he's taken. And it's causing him to act that way. But I think at the end of the day, it's made up movie drug bullshit. It's his own, it's own special gas. Yep. Maybe it's unlimited whippets or something. <laughs> but uh, the, what was weird about that? He's like, he looks at her vagina. He does the mommy, mommy. And I'm like, this is weird. And he's like, don't look at me. And he, <laughs> he like slaps her. I, I've had this movie ruined for me because uh, Zach and I have a friend that will, that can quote this movie by heart. And he says, he says even like the fucked up stuff all the time. And I just hear, <laughs> hear him saying it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But that, that scene like happens and he like leaves. And I believe then she finds Jeffrey he- in it rapes her with a question mark like, like, <laughs> I, I don't know <laughs> it's like in a it's 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 like an emotionally it, he emotionally assaults her well he also physically assaults her for fuck's sake but uh, uh, like, I like is, is it rape is it rape yes or no go uh law and order svu would say yes that was rape yeah 
I would say. <laughs> good answer. Good answer. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, Steve Reichert. No question mark. Exclamation point. I bet you, like, Frank Booth is, like, listening to that song. We don't have to take our clothes off to have a good time. And then he just raped her with the clothes on. Uh, some underwear. Yeah. And uh, then I think, doesn't she find Jeffrey after that or before? No, it's before. And then Frank pounds on the door and she tells him to hide. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, and then he comes back out when it's over and he leaves. And they yeah. they almost get it on, and then she's like, hit me, and he's like, no way. And she's like, well, then get out. <laughs> yeah, okay. he's like, don't call the police, because he's like, I'm going to call the police, and she's like, freaks the fuck out. Yeah. Um, I, I had a trouble, like, following the Laura, Laura Dern's character and, and Jeffrey, because they were doing, like, this I like you, but I have a boyfriend thing. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, just kiss already. <laughs> and then they, and then she kisses him later on. And he's like, I have a boyfriend. I can't do this. And like the boyfriend, <laughs> when, when, uh, when he thought like fucking Frank Booth was coming after him, but it was just a boyfriend, uh, you know, uh, trying to get him off the road and then finds uh Dorothy naked, by the way. Uh, it, the the movie like turns really quickly after the ear, <laughs> like after the ear, he finds the ear, it just goes down south pretty much. Well, yeah, that's that's the that's the the call to action. That's the the impetus yeah. to his his. I like it. Journey. I dig it. <laughs> I think it's it's interesting that he like gets into all these situations. Oh, and I have to bring up the the part where he's like staking out and finding Frank Booth and that uh you know turncoat uh detective guy. Oh, at uh, the end. Yeah, I that that scene uh, both pisses me off and has my favorite line of the whole movie is uh, one well dressed fucking man knows where your cute fucking ass is hiding. <laughs> I, tr- I tried to make it my quote, but it was too long, so I didn't like to put it there. But I like that. But that scene pisses me off. Because he tricks Frank into looking for him in the bedroom. Great job. Leaves the radio in there and then hides. And then Frank goes in there and is like, oh, you've only got one second to live, fucker. And he's like breathing the shit. And he goes in there and starts shooting the bed. And he leaves the closet. And instead of leaving the fucking apartment, gets the gun and then gets back in the closet. What are you doing? Run, go. Get out of there. He's going to kill him. Yeah, I think what was happening, like he had some type of weird feelings for Dorothy and he's like, I could end this right now. And I think that's what he was thinking. Um, I could be wrong. I mean, he could wanted to kill Frank to just go back there and shoot his ass. You know, I don't know. Maybe he just wanted the element of surprise, but he's lucky that like Frank didn't shoot the fucking closet. <laughs> he would be dead. Um, but no, the, the scene I was pointing out is before that when he's in the car and he's using that stupid fuck. Well, it's not stupid. It's just, out of place, the camera that he uses where it opens up the uh, the little door on that little wooden box and he takes pictures of them. I'm like, that's a David Lynch thing. He's like, that's a cool toy. <laughs> Let me put that in the car. You're going to stake out like it's 1945. Yeah, one of the weirdest things I had a question about, and I really want to know what you guys think. Um, after they beat Jeffrey up and don't kill him, lucky for him, he goes home and it like shows him in his bed and then it shows a weird mask or something hanging on his wall. What's on his wall? Like a weird monster mask. Yeah. Why? 
I don't know. Maybe that's huh. when he was a kid. He had a monster mask and he just left it there. Right, fair enough. I just, <laughs> Maybe I just always wondered why. Like the camera shows it to us, I think more than once. Like, and here's that mask. And you're like, uh, yeah, Blue Velvet, that mask. It, it sure is. And that shows it to you again. You remember the mask? And I'm like, oh, yeah, there it is again. I don't know what you're trying to tell me with that mask. What's the metaphor? <laughs> yeah, that's David Lynch being like, now he's turning into a monster because remember Frank Booth says you're like me and Don't he's a monster. <laughs> uh dude that's that's another weird scene too when they're in the fucking by the way Twin Peak vibes when they see the fucking log uh place where they where they go beat up Jeffrey. I was like oh that's kind of like Twin Peaks a little bit. Well, this whole movie is very Twin Twin Peaks to me Twin Peaks is blue velvet expanded. Because <laughs> there's a lot of the same themes that are in yeah, it. They have a lot of the same kind of stuff going on. They get yeah. small they get town, to... northwest mystery, yeah, crime, romance, you know, everything, triangle, oh, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it just gets way crazier in Twin Peaks. It goes way harder for two hours and then stops. <laughs> he like uh, Frank Boots puts on lipstick and starts kissing Jeffrey. <laughs> I, the weirdest part of that scene, the thing that uh, uh, upsets me the most is they put on the music and then the woman just gets on top of the car and starts dancing. Yeah. yeah. What's yeah. going on? <laughs> That's very Twin Peaks, too. Another, like, another David Lynch thing. Yeah. You guys are your Twin Peaks, I swear. I fucking I love watch, Twin Peaks. You watched it, didn't you? I watched it. I love it, too. Well, damn it! Don't you see the? I, I think part of it is was? you guys saw Twin Peaks, and now and then you saw David Lynch's movies. I saw all of David Lynch's movies, then finally watched Twin Peaks. Maybe. I saw Blue Velvet before I watched Twin Peaks. Did you? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. That was my introduction to, to him. Was actually Blue Velvet. Mm. I think that's the way to go. I, whenever people want somewhere to start with David Lynch, I've always said eh, Blue Velvet. Like it's it's not his tamest movie. He has tamer movies. But it's the best introduction to what to expect from David Lynch without over David Lynching yourself. Yeah, yeah, I think so. It's either that or Wild at Heart. I, uh, I gotta check out Wild at Heart. I love Maybe. Wild at Heart. It's, great <laughs> it's a little more bonkers. It's, it's 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 substantially more bonkers, but it still has like a, a through line. It has a plot. Like Sailor has a story in it. Sure. Plus, there's Nicolas Cage in the movie, so. Mm-hmm. He's bound to go bonkers anyway. So yeah, Willem Dafoe's in it too. <laughs> nice. That's like two crazy people. <laughs> uh, yeah, like yeah, the, when she dances on top of the car, I was like, that's that's kind of freaky. Uh, I also like got weird vibes like when they were driving the car and like Jeffrey was like zoned in on Frank. Like I thought for a second he was like gonna flip the car somehow, like he was gonna lunge and like turn the steering wheel. Everybody crashes and dies, and I thought this how the movie was gonna end. It's just everybody dies, like all bad done. Uh and there's also a subplot with Dorothy and her child, by the way. Like these organized crime people are holding her son hostage. You consider that a subplot? Would you uh, part of the plot, I guess? Yeah, I mean it's yeah. pretty central to like what's going on. Mm-hmm. I don't know, like I I didn't really care for Dorothy that much. Like, what, what do you mean? Like, I, I, I obviously care what happened to her and, you know, what, her, you know, with her son and everything. Sure. I just, I was zoning on Jeffrey and what he was becoming because of Dorothy. 
if that makes any sense. Sort of. I mean, you still need something there. Yeah, and he can't just become a weirdo for no reason. Yeah, I know, but <laughs> like he's like discovering women. I mean, without all that crime stuff, it's just him palling around with Laura Dern and and going on dates to that fifties diner where they just drink coke and talk. Yeah, she never eats anything. That nope. that that one thing that bothered me too. <laughs> that nitpicking. I'm like, he always gets a sandwich and she doesn't. Fuck she you. Maintain her gross figure. Yeah. There's, there's uh, uh, unfair expectations for women in the media. Yeah. And what also annoyed me, this is nitpicking, by the way, is like she's worried about her boyfriend finding out where she, uh, you know, who she's driving with. Yeah. But she always meets him in front of the school. Now, I know he was late during that one time, but like yeah. fucking go around somewhere. She She's always really careful regarding her father finding them, but a little less careful when it comes to the school, which is during the day in broad daylight. Um, yeah. And That's a lot of nitpicks. That's a lot of picks you're nicking. Uh, do you, do you like this movie? I, I like love it. I yeah. love this movie. Um, I, I think it has a little bit of the weird, like the good weird and like the David Lynch weird that everybody talks about. And I, I dig it. And because it's so similar and I know you, you know, you, you, you know, said something about it before uh, Twin Peaks. It just feels Twin Peaks to me. Uh, it, it kind of feels like a alternate universe of Twin Peaks where the FBI agent is just some kid. <laughs> Maybe this is what makes him want to get into law enforcement. He's like, oh, I like doing all that detective. It's like a prequel. <laughs> um, I also thought. Because so, when he's taking out and taking pictures of the, the well-dressed man, like you see Frank Booth in the picture, and then you see the ball dressed man. And I never put two and two together that it was him. I don't think you're supposed to until at the end. At least I never did. I thought for some strange reason that Laura Dern's father was part of it too. Oh. And I thought he was the well dressed man. And because every time we went to the detective place, he was like kind of too nice. Because usually the cops would be like, hey, kid, fuck off. This is a case. It's dangerous and stuff. Don't do this. Oh, yeah. 80s cops are the worst. They ignore everybody. He's like, yes, yeah. fuck off. We're busy. He's he's like uncharacteristically accommodating to Jeffrey's bullshit this whole movie. Yeah, he's a 50s cop. I guess. Yeah, he's, he's a nice guy. 50s cop. And they also kind of tease it when he tells about the the bad cop to, uh, you know, Laura Dern's father. And I thought they were going to be like, ha ha. You know, we got rid of that loose end now since you know. So <laughs> I'm the bad guy, but it never got there. And it was just fucking Frank Booth, a well dressed man trying to kill his ass. So the, only, the funny thing about that scene where he's staking out the place and then you see the well dressed man come out there is you, if you look at him, he looks kind of off. Like his hair and stuff, it just it looks strange. It looks like an AI like it's <laughs> picture. Not, like it's like a disguise, but mm-hmm. I bet. And like earlier home releases of this movie, you probably couldn't really tell that that well. Probably, I bet you're mm. right. Just because high def, you can tell it's. A, you can't tell it's fucking Dennis Hopper in a wig and a fake mustache, but you can tell <laughs> it's it looks off. How'd you guys watch this movie? On a phone? Oh. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I watch it on my TV. No, I mean like, do you stream it or do you have it on a disc? I streamed it. I don't have. 
Yeah, I, I streamed it because I still don't own it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the other day would have been when to get it. There was a Criterion Flash sale. This isn't going to matter to our listeners. It will be uh, a well, week, uh, week You know what I mean? I, like, I still think they're fucking stupid for flash sales in the middle of the week. It's it's like the dumbest Oh, no. Um, when this episode comes out, it'll be November. Barnes & Noble will be having their annual month-long half-off Criterion sale. So go buy, go buy Blue Velvet on Blu-ray. 20 bucks. Maybe. Is there commentary in this movie? Probably. I don't know. I don't, uh, every every criterion has like a whole bunch of special features, but I never know what. I mean, obviously, I can look it up. But Does David Lynch ever do commentary for his own movies? Uh, yes. I think there's a commentary track on um, Mahone Drive, maybe, from him. I can't remember. Do you have the DVD of Mahone Drive where it tells you the clues? <laughs> I think so. Uh, I, one of my... One of my college roommates had it, and then he upgraded to the Criterion, and I think he gave me the DVD, but then maybe I also got the Criterion Blu-ray, so I don't know if I have it or not. Because every time like I ever saw a YouTube video, like one, uh, I forgot that guy's name, Twin Something, uh, who usually does the analysis of uh, David Lynch movies, like he Twin? used it, that as a fucking roadmap, his 10 clues. I, I, still, I think some of them are red herrings. That that's my conclusion. Mm-hmm. What were you saying, Zach? Were we? I, I'm sorry, I missed what you said there. Were you talking about Twin Perfect? Yeah, Twin Perfect. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's been a little while since I've seen that. Uh, some of that stuff I sort of agree with. Some of it I don't. So. Red herrings. I still I'm still of the mind that um, a lot of stuff in his movies and whatnot are uh, not as deep as people try to make it out to be like people overanalyze too much, I think on David mm-hmm. Lynch. And a lot of it is I, th- you're just supposed to take it as for what it is. Yeah. That's so, sort of the, the flip side of the coin that I'm always talking about with David Lynch, where some of it, it's not trying to feed into some great cerebral bullshit metaphor. Some of it is just David Lynch wanted something creepy to happen. So he designed a creepy scene. Yeah. He, just he just wanted an idyllic American town scene, so that's what's in it. That's why it ends with a cookout. That's just what he wanted. He just wanted that to be the tone of that scene, so he wrote a scene to match the tone. He didn't write a scene and then try to film it with the tone that he needed. He just wanted there to be a weird monster mask in Jeffrey's room. It doesn't mean yeah. anything. Yeah, I, th- I think so. Like, I, think, <laughs> I, I think he just he needed to mix in some... He needed the audience to go, oh, huh? And then, like he needs that, he needs your brain to be in that space for the next scene to play out the way that David Lynch wants that scene to play out. I think uh, I may be giving him more credit than than he deserves, but I think he deserves plenty of credit. So, <clears throat> if um, if you were the parents of Laura Dern and her boyfriend brought over a naked lady that's beaten up and all that stuff, would you still have your daughter hang out with this guy? Well, he was helping her. Yeah, I mean, her father's a cop. He's probably seen worse. I guess. Because usually, like, that happens. Like, the parents would be like, you're not seeing this kid anymore. The fuck is wrong with you? Uh, and then um, Laura Dern ha- ex- describes her dream of the Robins. And then the cookout, there was a Robin fucking holding a beetle in his mouth and stuff. And you know all those people that overanalyze David Lynch stuff. Like, aha! Robin was symbolizing Jeffrey and, and 
Laura Dern's character and they defeated evil. I don't know. I that 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 whole thing because the movie starts, you know, it zooms in and zooms in and it shows Jeffrey's father. Does he have a stroke? What happens to him? Yeah, it's a stroke. Stroke. Yeah. He has a stroke. And uh, then the camera like goes into the dirt and shows those beetles. It's like, oh, there's like a uh, in in this idyllic America. I, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I've said that like four times. In this pleasant American rural suburb, there's an there's an under the under the surface, there's something dirty and sinister. I think is what that's supposed to be. And then she talks about her dream. There's you know there's evil in the world, and then love is going to come, blast it away. And then at the end, it's all oh, the, the evil's gone. Frank's dead. Um, the yellow man is dead. Uh, unfortunately, Dorothy's husband is dead, but she's back with her son. You know, obviously, there's still evil in the world. But as far as Lumberton's concerned, the evil is vanquished. And now love has conquered all. I, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think that's one of the instances where you can read into it because it, it really is kind of baby's first metaphor in a way. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's I still think it's set up fairly simply if you just like i said that first metaphor i think most people could glean that from it yeah Yeah, i'm pretty sure it's there for just yeah fucking dean stockwell uh was funny in that you know uh scene with uh dennis hopper which i i don't know uh was he being like dennis hopper kept on saying he's suave but he Dean Stockwell's character was more feminine, right? Am I reading that wrong? Yeah, I mean, it seems like it. he's wearing makeup, and he's, I don't know, just, just, I don't know, strange. It's a strange man. And uh, they drank Pabst Blue Ribbon. He asked Jeffrey, you know, what do you want to drink? Heineken? Fuck that shit. <laughs> no, here, here's the beer, Frank. Do you want me to pour it? No, I want you to fuck it. Yeah, I want you to pour the fucking beer. <laughs> we used to say that around my around my house in college all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but overall, I like I enjoyed the movie. I the nitpicking that I did before is just me being a fucking asshole, being like, "Why isn't she eating?" <laughs> yeah, there's this, this movie has a lot of strangeness to it, and um, I like it. I liked it more watching it this time than I have in the past. I've often thought. Uh, I do like this movie. I do think this movie is extremely good. I used to be of the opinion that it's overrated. I thought a lot of Lynch's other stuff deserved more of the praise that this movie gets. But I don't know, watching it this time, like I just enjoyed it. I don't know. Part of it might just be like nostalgia. I watched it so many times in the past. But I there's there's stuff about it where it seems either outrageously unrealistic or outrageously um disturbingly realistic in its depictions of just petty criminals or like weird drug users or like a bunch of weirdos sitting around in a room doing drugs maybe whatever whatever they're doing when frank turns up i don't know Uh, you would watch it and you think this is now criminals act but then you think is that do i think that because i've seen movies with criminals in it because i haven't really hung out with a lot of you know hardcore criminals in real life, so how the hell would I know? It's another thing David Lynch is really good at making. Again, going back to the book of things that he makes scary that are, should be a, not scary on paper. Hmm. Weird people sitting in a room. Yeah, just weird looking people that sit in a room, and it, like that that scene of them going in there, and you see all those weird fat old women sitting in that room. It's like, what the fuck is this? It's yeah, really strange. No, you're right. Like, I mean, 
give the guy give the guy the Oscar for weird room dressing. <laughs> yeah, he does that multiple times. Just mm-hmm. we go into a room, flat angle. People are sitting in a specific way, like spread out, and it's just strange. <laughs> there's always like harsh lighting, yeah. and there's not a lot of color. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even like. Uh, this is more me in my head and and stupid memes and stuff. But like when Anne goes, I will never eat bugs. And I'm like you're gonna eat the bugs and you're gonna be happy. <laughs> you're gonna be living in the pods. Was she the grandma from uh, Happy Gilmore? Uh, actually, she was um, Mrs. Treeman also in Twin Peaks. If you don't remember her, uh, the old lady that uh, was like one of the people they visited for the meals on wheels thing. Remember that she had like the grandson that was actually David Lynch's son. And he did the weird magic trick with the cream corn. You remember that? Mm, no, I'm sorry. That's one of the weirdest fucking scenes in that show. <laughs> no, it's not, it's not striking a chord. Uh, well, it's, it's in season like, one or two, right? Uh, it's in season two, but also okay. it's, it, she's in the movie as well. Oh, well I should remember it. I don't know. I'm sorry. She's, she's got a very like, again, very specific look to her. There's not a lot of old ladies that look like her. Sure. Yeah. She's Thelma and Inspector Gadget, uh, the Matthew Broderick movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. I forgot that's a movie. <laughs> and uh, she, yeah, she's Happy Gilmore. She's the grandma. Okay. Oh, I thought my. so. I thought that was yeah. I, well, it's been a little, it's been a minute since I've seen Happy Gilmore. So. Well, you should revisit it. It's a great time. <laughs> we'll do Adam Sandler month some point. One day. <laughs> One day. Yeah, it, dude. This movie, I recommend it because it, I, it, I understand the weird David Lynch now. Even though, like, we watched uh, the Elephant Man, but like that was basically. Oh, dog, okay. Yeah, she's okay. She <laughs> she turned over weird. Are you okay? Oh, she got her she got her bandana caught. Oh, scared herself. <laughs> Let's check on Zombie Chaz of his opinion on this movie. So what did I think of Blue Velvet? I'll tell you what, I'm certainly not going to make the joke that it's shit, because it's not. Blue Velvet is... It is that prequel to what I would think most would expect from David Lynch's eccentric nature of filmmaking. But it's fantastic. It's a great place to start. Um... And what I love so much about it is actually the meta of where filmmaking is now in that we're so desensitized to see some type of spoon-fed story. Uh, it's so hard to, to make a mystery now uh, and, and properly because of the need to overwhelm the audience with information and not let stories play out the way they are or just leave things unexplained. And furthermore, we are desensitized by plot twists and and craziness. And what I love so much about this movie is that this is just a straightforward film. It is, it is, I mean, there are plots, there's a plot that weaves, but it's not trying to, to fool you. It's not trying to pull the wool over your eyes. It just plays out the way it is in all of its weirdness. Um, so and it's also embellished in every just utter ounce of the 80s nostalgia that exists within it. Um, so, of course, 
as it's already been covered, you know, the, the film goes on about, uh, our main character who comes back, uh, home from school because of his father's sudden abrupt injury, which I, I was a little thrown off by that. I, I kind of assumedly, uh, appeared that he, maybe he was, he had some, I don't know if he had a stroke or a heart attack or if he actually was bitten by something that then caused it. And frankly, I didn't even look it up. I just, yeah, I just missed something like in a flash that was key to it. Uh, like I've, ne I've never fully grasped that, but something happened to him. The son comes back, but then just out of that, he finds a body part and then that leads in this rabbit trail, uh, within to a rabbit's hole of just this crazy story that plays out. And I really think it's more about the, the cautionary tale of how someone's curiosity can definitely get the better of them. Um, the only thing it's kind of silly about it is it almost feels like our protagonist doesn't learn his lesson. Like it is one thing with the movie that does seem a little off. And I only mean that in the sense that, you know, this, this is a person that gets wrapped up in all this stuff. He ends up leading the, uh, the his love interest on in, in Laura Dern's character. Uh, and in the meantime, he ends up being with this other woman who is caught up in a situation. But I don't know how much of that is more that he's, he's really not sure what to do or he wants to help. And then he gets caught into it. Um, you know, he is a young man. So maybe it's just that, that sexual desire just takes over and that is what it is. Um, and maybe that's the cautionary tale or that's how he paid for such a thing is that he got caught up in, in this and then, you know, nearly lost the love of his life. But it is one other thing that I'm not a big fan of is that they, they allow her to be set in a way that it looks like she just is like, Oh, I love my, my boyfriend in high school. Oh, but I love you. Oh, you hurt me, but I love you too much, so I'll forgive you. It's kind of a cliche in terms of how they let her character be, but nevertheless, it 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 it's it is what it is. Um, Dennis Hopper's character is fucking nuts, um, a full on psycho, uh, and you know ultimately he he pays for being so crazy. Um, the whole gas mask thing is just weird. I'm a, I just assume that he's just inhaling, like some some absurd mixture of chemicals and just getting crazy high on them, um, and that's probably part of the problem. A lot of those types of drugs that do that, if they're hallucinogens, uh, like that, will also cause a lot of psychotic agitation. So it makes sense that he's just off the fucking rails because he's doing a bunch of drugs. He may not even be like that normally. It might just it might just be related to the drugs, but. But nevertheless, uh, it's it's a great story that plays out in terms of what's actually happening, um, and again the the ending is a little a little odd, but it's kind of great in the, the odd way that it ends, and it's just got it's just full of like '80s schlock that's wonderful. Um, I don't know, maybe this movie aged better than it was at the time. I could I could honestly see someone watching this in the '80s and not really liking it as much, but over over time it's it's aged well. So maybe that's why I like it more. Um, definitely one of my favorite David Lynch films overall. Would, would recommend it. Uh, 
I, I would recommend it to anyone, but I, I could definitely see a certain flavor of audience not liking it. This is where you start to dabble into where David Lynch films start to really divide people if they like them or not. Um, and this one's a very mild first test. It's like your good litmus test. I'd always recommend watching Blue Velvet before I would recommend watching Eraserhead or uh, uh, other films of that ilk. Uh, because, again, things start to get much, much weirder as you go down the spectrum of things. Uh, but, yeah, overall, great movie. But I'm pretty okay. sure the next movie that we're going to be watching is going to go full on David Lynch. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's it's full blast for Mulholland Drive. Yes. Yeah. The Lynch gets turned up to about 90. Yeah, I recommend. Andy, what about you? Of course I recommend it. Like I was saying, uh, if, if someone wants to get into David Lynch, but they're a little intimidated, Blue Velvet is is where you where where we separate the men from the boys. You're going to watch Blue Velvet, and you're going to say, yeah, I'm thirsty for more. Then, you, then you're all in. But if you watch Blue Velvet, you're like, I, I didn't really like this. Stop where you are. Turn around. Go back to Marvel movies. <laughs> <laughs> go back to trash. No, I'm kidding. Uh, Zach, what about you? Yeah, it's a great movie. I recommend it. Uh, it's it's probably one of my favorite movies of his. Uh, I'm not sure. Well, we're going to rank this stuff later, obviously. But uh, mm. I liked it more this time, like Andy was saying, compared to the last this is honestly, this is really the second time I've watched it, but oh. I really enjoyed it the first time I watched it, though, but I like it better now. Yeah. I wonder how many times I've seen it. It's at least half a dozen, probably more. <laughs> I'm probably going to have this, like, on my David Lynch playlist now because of fucking Frank Booth. <laughs> he, like, lights up the fucking movie. It's so, yeah. so great. Choose the scenery. Did, did, um... Dennis Hopper ever do any other David Lynch movie, or is this the only one? I think this is the only one he did. This is the only one, yeah. That's, yeah. that's fucking wild. He should have done more. <laughs> All well, right. I think he would. People would talk about. Well, he remember he was Frank Booth in Blue Velvet. I don't think Lynch would want that. I, I mean, after he played Bowser, he was just kind of too big for Lynch. So yeah, that too. And, and he After was a, he was in Waterworld, he got a little too big for his britches. Didn't want to hang out with no snotty David Lynch no more. I'm kind of I'm not, I'm not making no art saw that, movies anymore. He I'm saw that David Lynch trip for Lost Highway. He was supposed to be in Lost Highway, and he was like, "It does look like shit." And he just discarded it. it does look like shit. <laughs> I love that movie. And then Dennis Hopper became a terrorist trying to kill Neo in a bus and speed. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah, making him big bucks, man. He's in them blockbusters. Don't have yeah. time to fuck with no David Lynch no more. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, next movie, uh, we already you know said it, but Mulholland Drive will be the last David Lynch movie uh, that we'll be covering, and then we'll do our final rankings. Uh, but before we get into host credit scene, let's hear some uh, ad from Macho Man. Somebody put a microphone in front of me. You know what that means, brother. Yeah. I've heard all about this uh, podcasting thing. I think I've been on it a time or two myself, I believe. Uh, it's a little intergalactic for me, a little out there, you know. But that's okay, brother. Yeah. Because on Getting Some Color, you can relive moments, me and my glory. And my moment of glory 
before the yellow and red Brutus. You know who I'm talking about, brother. Yeah, the guy who was backstabbing, hot dog, grandstanding. Forget all about him. You can see the macho man in his glory days. Or you can hear people talking about it, at least. You can watch, too. But hey, that's not what's important. The devil's in the details. Sometimes the details aren't important. Sometimes they are. These details, they're a little bit important. You can catch Get Some Color bi-weekly Thursdays, 10 p.m. Eastern. Be there or not, as they say. Wow! Wow, man, freak out, yeah! If Macho Man was still alive, which he was alive in that ad, though, but let's just say he, he died. It was uh, a recording, Dubs. It wasn't live. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was live. He, I told you, we have a timeshare. Me and him, we share this body. Yeah. But if he was alive, what would his podcast name be? Like, you know, you have Kevin Nash, who's the click or whatever his fucking click this or whatever. Uh, pure Madness. Pure Madness? It would just be pure madness. He wasn't really one for puns or, or, or jokey fucking puns like that. It would just be a good podcast name. It would be called the, the Randy Savage Talk Hour. <laughs> so, so like that. real quick, uh, going back to Blue Velvet for just a second. I was <laughs> I had the wiki up because I thought we were going to talk about something. And then I clicked on the, the – Frank Booth has his own Wikipedia article. He deserves uh, it. So I, yeah, he deserves it. So I went there and I looked, and there's a whole segment about the unnamed drug in the canister. Well, this actually explains it. So uh, David Lynch said in the script it was supposed to be helium to raise Frank's voice and have it resemble that of an infant. But during filming, Hopper, an experienced drug user, said that he had insight into Frank's drug of choice and that helium was inappropriate. Lynch later explained the change. And he says, uh, uh, helium went out the window and it became just a gas. And then in the first rehearsal, Dennis said, David, I know what's in those different canisters. And I said, thank God, Dennis, that you know that. And then he (laughs) named all the gases. And on a documentary in the 2002 special edition DVD of the film, Hopper says that the drug was amyl nitrite an angina medication used recreationally as an inhalant in the disco club scene. <laughs> so it was a real drug. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, yeah. my God. I saw a vid- drug user indeed. I saw a video of him arguing with Francis Ford Coppola during Apocalypse Now. It's like recently. They were, oh. like, they were, they were having a fight or something. <laughs> Good. Yeah, I, I mentioned this in Facebook. I said, Dennis Hopper is not acting in this movie. This is him. <laughs> yeah. No, he really had ML nitrite in that canister. Even I would. It wouldn't surprise me. I think he would do that. Uh, but but I digress. Uh, Andy, what have you been watching? Playing or doing? Um, I beat Real Mist. Wow, I missed it. Good I, job. That game's cool, man. I play black I, and white. I uh, I don't understand how Mist can have been the best-selling pc game for years and besides zach i don't know anyone else who's played and beat it how is that possible i i think a lot of people played it for like 10 minutes and they're like uh i can't figure this out i think that's what <laughs> it, it so it was already sold but i don't know maybe they just didn't play it i don't it's it's so cheap pick up real mist you don't have to play the original mist pick up real mist or the 2012 remake of mist 
chances are you have access to it unless for some reason you only have a playstation it's not it's not on there for some reason explain that so i got a question like in mist like there's like no indicators right you just explore no there's clues there's clues there's, there's okay. clues like yeah you'll find like a note or you'll see like weird buttons or signs or switches or you you kind of like you got to do a little detective work you gotta you gotta jeffrey in a bit mm-hmm. i was too dumb to play that when i was a kid so i never two, touched it two psychopaths yell at you from a book and and you kind of got to figure out what they want you to do. Well, one guy doesn't yell at you, but the other guy does. That's a good point. Okay, no, that's true. That's true. That's true. Yeah, so, for example, like I looked at Mist, and I'm like, yeah, but I could be playing Phantasmagoria too. <laughs> like, no, Mist is better. Mist. No, Phantasmagoria two is a bad game. I'd argue it's kind of so bad it's good. It's like on yeah. the, in that, but like the, the puzzles, room. the puzzles are shit in that game though. They're they're terrible. Moon Logic. It's it's yeah it's moon logic. The, some people argue. I think it's most people that don't like to do puzzles in games. That Mist has moon logic puzzles, but no, no. Give, you go ahead. You played it. You played it recently. Yeah, I played it recently. I did. I will admit, I looked up some help more than once. Most of the time, I just asked Zach, "Is uh, what, what, should I, what, what am I supposed to be doing here?" But um, there was one or two puzzles. I'm trying to recall what they were. Where I was like, I kind of know what to do, but goddamn, I'm sick of doing this. And, oh. The goddamn the keyboard in the rocket. I'm oh, tone yeah. deaf. I'm a drummer. I'm not a musician. I can't do that shit. So That's I just a... look. I was like, I understand. I found it in the book, and I went over the keyboard and went me 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 me. And I was like, okay, it's these notes. And then I went to the switches, and it goes me 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 me. And I was like, uh, there's no way. There's no way I can do this. It's gonna take me fucking two days. So I just looked it up, and they said, okay, count the clicks, and I did that, and then I moved on. I, I was going to say that puzzle is known to be difficult for people that aren't good tonally. Uh, it's easier in real mist to do than in the original game, because there's like, you can see little notches on the slider mm-hmm. and there's notable clicks to it. Yeah. And in the original game, there's no notches. It's just like a blank interface with Woof. sliders. So, but yeah, um, I, I, I gave it to myself because I was like, look, I understand how this puzzle is solved. I just don't want to do the legwork. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're an okay. adult, man. You have no time. Just That's what I do now. I just look up shit. How about what? How about the Maze Runner? What do you think about that? Uh, yeah, that one was also a bit of a pain in the neck. Honestly, yeah. um, that that whole age kind of sucked out loud. That's why I was telling you, like the cell neck age is kind of tough. There's, it's like, I didn't tell you it all revolves around sound stuff, but yeah, it's a good thing I saved it for last, though, because if I'd have done it first, I would have been like, man, what am I doing in this game? That's funny, because like the first time I played it and I beat the game, uh, ever since then, every time I play it, I do the Selenetic Age first. Get it out of the way, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I, I think it's cool, but like the puzzles are like the most frustrating in that one. I think I'm with you, though. I think the Stone Ship Age is the best. That was my favorite. It's that it's or got, Channel Wood. It's got one of my favorite puzzle solution aha moments when you find the little compass thing and you hit the button and it plays that fucking epic, beautiful, amazing music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, uh, I did that wrong a couple times. I was getting real frustrated having to run all the way back, but I didn't have anyone to blame except myself. <laughs> play mist. More people should play mist. Yeah, play mist. It's not even expensive anymore. Play it on the switch. Um, if you play it on the switch immediately find the, uh, find, um, uh, in the in the settings, turn the cursor's speed down. You got to do that first. Hmm. 
Um, but yeah, otherwise, uh, Mr. This was great. I'm glad I played it. Um, last week when we recorded, I started a movie right before the podcast and then we recorded. And then after the podcast, I went and finished it, but it ended up being the perfect experience for this. I watched Shin Kamen Rider. You guys know anything about Shin Kamen Rider? No. I know of it. It's uh, directed by the weirdo who did Evangelion. He's been directing. Um, he directed. He, he wrote and directed Shin Godzilla, which kicks ass. Highly recommend that movie. And then he wrote but didn't direct um, Shin Ultraman. And then he wrote and directed Shin Kamen Rider. Now, Kamen Rider, Mast Rider, is like a show from Japan from the 70s. And when you watch the movie, you can tell they're paying homage to the show I've never watched. But the movie is so fun and just ludicrously violent. Like, just stupidly violent. <laughs> like, in the very first scene, they don't tell you what's going on. It's just like, he's on a motorcycle and him and some women are trying to... Him and some women are trying to escape a bunch of thugs. And then, uh, like, he escapes a few of them. And then they get into a fight. And he's just, like, caving dude's skulls in with his fists. And it, it's live action. So it's, I don't know, it's ridiculous. I mean, it's on Amazon Prime. Uh, it's the kind of thing, if you put it on, you'll you'll know if you're into it in the first 15 minutes or so. I thought Common Writer was like for kids. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. I, I thought I, it, was I, like, it was like Super Sentai kind of shit, I thought. It is. It's Super Sentai kind of shit. It's, it's, like, it's like Sentai, Power Ranger, Beetleborgs bullshit. This must be for like the kids that grew up with Common exactly Rider. Right. Exactly right. Exactly right. This and Ultraman and to a lesser extent Godzilla are all like, okay, these this is stuff that this generation in Japan grew up with. Now we're gonna make it like serious and dark and ridiculous, which is something the American media has been doing with mixed results for years. But for some reason, when this one guy handles it, he always kills it. He always does a good job. And again, it's the weirdo who wrote and directed Evangelion. So take from that what you will. But it's great. It's on Amazon Prime. Go watch it before they take it off of there because it's it's a ton of fun. Uh, I watched Scream and I watched Scream 2 because it is October when we're recording this. So I wanted to watch some horror movies. Scream was better than I remembered it being, honestly. Uh, it's pretty clever. It's pretty fun. Scream 2, I'd never seen before. The movie's also fun. It's fun, but it, like when it came out and people were just like, oh, scary. Like some people who were saying that was scary during yeah, that time. It's, it's not really scary. And I'm just like, uh, it's not a good slasher film in my opinion. I, I think it's still a good movie, but I, I just think it's a little overrated. My opinion. I don't know. I, I I struggle to even call it really a slasher movie because it lacks a few elements from slasher movies. Like there's no really creative kills. It's just kind of people get stabbed or shot. Like one, one girl gets crushed by a garage door. It's kind of cool, I guess. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. It's it's fun. It's more in the characters that makes it fun. Whereas in a slasher movie, it's the kills and the, the horror and the, it's just like a bunch of teenagers and they're all, getting high and having sex and then they all get murdered by some masked weirdo in the woods scream is actually about like inter-character relationships and character pasts and and you know romance and a bunch of other nonsense so it doesn't feel like a slasher movie to me but it's it's fun i like them both um then what uh i watched two techno thrillers on the criterion channel they have a techno thriller collection right now and uh cyberpunk is like one of my favorite aesthetics or whatever and uh it it kind of goes hand in hand with techno thriller so i watched a movie called sneakers 
which has a really stupid name. Have you guys ever seen Sneakers? It's from 1992. Never heard of it. It is so good. It is so outrageously good of a movie. It's um, Robert Redford is leading these um, these guys. They're uh, they're like security consultants. Um, Sidney Poitier's one of his members. He used to be a CIA guy, and he got fired for having a temper. And um, oh, who else? Uh, oh, um, Dan Aykroyd is like the gadget guy, but he's in a very non-Dan Aykroyd role, but he's still kind of weirdo. I, I don't know. It's uh, it's just really interesting. Um, oh, Ben movie. Kingsley too. What's that? Ben Kingsley and Sidney Poitier. Yeah, yeah, but um, they uh, they get wrapped up in in a very thriller like premise where the security firm, uh, this Russian guy has like designed this box that can break any cryptography so they can just like break into any bank or any, you know, security computer or stuff like that. It's like the magic key. And so they get it and, and the government wants it. And, and so does this bad guy. And oh, it's a cool movie. I really, I really highly recommend it. If you like thrillers based on weird CRT technology, it's a good old time. <laughs> uh, then I watched new Rose hotel. I bet you haven't even heard of that movie. Have you? No. Okay, there's reason for that. It's not that bad. I got excited though. It's directed by the guy who directed Bad Lieutenant, not Portocol New Orleans, the first one. Werner Herzog? Huh? Werner Herzog? No, wait. I mean, I got that wrong. He directed something. What did he direct? Maybe it was one of the, maybe it was, it couldn't be Portocol New Orleans. It'd be ridiculous. Whatever. He directed King of New York and uh, some other stuff. But um, it's based on a story from William Gibson, the guy who wrote Neuromancer, you know, the guy who invented cyberpunk. But it's based on one of his stories, and it's Christopher Walken and Willem Dafoe. They're a team, and they, like, they, they do business stuff. Basically, the plot is they have to steal away this Japanese businessman from one company. So they hire a call girl to make him fall in love with her, and then they steal him away to some other company but uh uh willem defoe like falls in love with her and christopher walken is a weirdo christopher walken it's clear that christopher walken is supposed to be mentoring uh willem defoe because he's supposed to be younger but they just both look old so it doesn't really <laughs> work that well and um it's weird because it feels like cyberpunk light it's like they wanted to make a cyberpunk movie, but the problem with that is to have the cyberpunk aesthetic, you kind of need like expensive sets and lots of neon and lots of like data stuff. Everything needs to have a screen. Everything's got to be covered in LEDs. And they just don't do that. They say, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to do our own thing. There's a few moments in the movie where like someone's using a, a portable screen projector or something to, to where it kind of snaps you. And it's like, Oh, by the way, this is cyberpunk. So is it? Um, I don't really recommend it that much, which is a shame because uh, Willem Dafoe acting opposite of Christopher Walken is a good old time, but it's just not worth sitting there for almost two hours, which again, <laughs> disappoints me because it's based on a William Gibson story. I really like his stuff, uh, as I'll talk about in a moment. You know, I'll just talk about it now. Uh, I started reading Neuromancer again, <laughs> just watching those movies. I was like, you know what? I really want to just actually read good cyberpunk. So I was reading Neuromancer and listening to... There are a dime a dozen, I know, but there's another playlist on YouTube that just goes 24-7 called uh, Data Wave. It's just stupid 80s sounding cyber 
wave, you know, synth like, wave. Di- Diamond Dozen. There's a million of them, but I just listened to a bunch of that and read Neuromancer, and it was perfect. It got me right in the headspace. <laughs> and then uh, I got my analog pocket. My Hell screen. Yeah. So I played uh, Dexter's Laboratory, Robot Rampage, Super Mario Brothers Deluxe. Uh, Ultima Runes of Virtue, Molemania, Sonic Advance 2, Wario Land 2, uh, Operation C, Donkey Kong 94, Pokemon Yellow, and Quirk. Quirk is a puzzle game. It's very fun. And I think that's it. Uh, All right. Real quick, the guy that directed that movie was Abel Ferrara. For some reason, he also directed Bad Lieutenant. For some reason, I was fucking retarded, and I thought it was... Werner Herzog, for some reason. I don't know why I said that. You, you, was, you fucked with me. You shook my confidence. I was like, I thought that's what IMDb told me. I had a stroke. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, King of New York is a good movie. Uh, Bad Lieutenant's a good movie. New Rose Hotel, eh, meh. Watch Sneakers. <laughs> I'm going to actually have that on my watching list now, Sneakers. It's a very you movie. You'd like it, Doves. Yeah, so I'll I'll probably talk about that next episode because it's on my watch list for uh, the upcoming days. Uh, for me, um, I've been playing with my friend NHL. I almost said ninety four. I wish I was playing ninety four. Uh, twenty four. Uh, it's called World of Shell. We create our own hockey club and we face other people and we pick a position and we just play that position. So we played that. It was fun. Uh, the first night we played. We got our ass, you know, whooped and shit, and they were doing like cheese goals. And what I mean by cheese goals is they manipulate the goalie where the goalie spazzes out and they could score easily. And I reported them for terrorism um, because 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 that's what you can do uh, when you report is it's called a terrorist threat. And that's what I did. What the fuck? That's amazing. <laughs> they were making terroristic threats on Xbox Live. <laughs> the fuck. So yeah, I got pissed off at those people. And then uh last night we actually won some games and there was like one group that was doing terrorist acts and I just said, fuck it, I don't I don't feel like reporting them to Homeland Security. <laughs> um then I listened to a creepy pasta. Oh. It's called Baraska. Yeah, have you ever heard of the story Baraska? Sounds like a hot sauce. I can't say that I have. It does. Um, oh shit. It actually has a good twist. So, Zach, are you going to want to w- listen to it? Uh, If you say it's good, yes, I will listen to it. Okay. So, the only thing I will say is it has a Twin Peaks vibe. I know I'd say we've been you know, saying it's like Twin Peaks for everything tonight, but this one has a Twin Peaks vibe to it. Uh. I'll give you what they think is happening in the woods. They think a monster that is chomping up little children, uh, and that's how they're going missing. But there's a twist to that. And uh, you'll see it on YouTube, Baraska. A lot of people, you know, did voice acting on on it or just talk about it. I think Windigoon did Baraska, but there's other uh content creators that do it too. And they also did like a series apparently. Like it was episodic. They had like 10 parts uh that they released like every week like back in 6 years ago when the the, the creepy pasta first came out. Dude, when I tell you the twist, 
even got me when I was like, whoa, what? That's fucked up. Like, it's something that would happen today. Uh, I almost... I almost gave a hint, but that hint would have been too on the head, so I'm not going to give that hint. But I highly recommend it. I'll spell it out for you if you don't know. It's B-O-R-R-A-S-C-A. Baraska. And it's on YouTube. So it's a two-hour listen, by the way, but it's okay. fucking worth it. Uh, Who authors stuff like that? Uh, Reddit people. <laughs> it's just like random people? Okay. Yeah. It's how creepypastas work. I know. I, I just didn't know if it was like, you know, from the makers of all these other creepy pastas. Oh, sure, sure. Well, they did like an animated and like top voice acting when it first came out. So it might have been someone noteworthy. I just I found it on Reddit. <laughs> That's how I found it. Um. Also, um, trying to think what else. Oh, I uh, I met the dead Chaz at Disney Springs. Oh, dead Chaz. Yeah. He's risen. Yeah, actually, he was like a a force ghost, and we uh, (laughs) had some drinks, and we listened to a band, live band that was there. Did they suck? No, they were actually good. There was this fucking uh, bassist that was doing like a funky solo. It was fucking crazy. Like, like me and Chaz were talking, and they're like, "Holy shit, that solo is fucking awesome." (laughs) Um, Drinks were expensive there because of Disney, fifteen dollars per drink. Yeah. They and no I have blue ribbon, no Pabst blue <laughs> ribbon, just Heineken and Heineken sucks. No, <laughs> Heineken does kind of suck. It's piss water. Um, yeah, I also watched the temptation of Christ, the Martin Scorsese, uh, Jesus Christ movie. Oh yeah. Yeah. Did you see I've that? I've always movie? wanted to watch it. I've never watched it, but I've always wanted to. It's a good, it, like, obviously Christians get bent out of shape because like it's not from the bible but martin scorsese is like what if like the devil uh put a temptation into jesus be like what if the cross never happened and you just lived life like a man and that's the movie (laughs) it's a bible elseworld story is it it willem defoe jesus yeah willem defoe is jesus that's amazing (laughs) and uh henry dean stanton is uh paul one of the apostles. What? I didn't know that part. Yeah. So I want to watch this movie more. Man. I I like it because Peter Gabriel fucking did the soundtrack. Peter <laughs> Gabriel. Yeah. What? Like I like I said, it's been on my watch list for like fifteen years. Like I've always been like, oh, I should watch that movie. I bet I'd like it. And I just never get around to it. It's a good movie. It's like because I'm fascinated by the stories of Jesus, just because like you know, wow, if. if if all that's true and all that stuff of him healing people, but like also the idea of like the devil be like, I finally got you <laughs> is like so interesting to me. Uh, not because I want the devil to win. It's just a fucking interesting story. It's an interesting idea for a story. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I, I recommend it. Annie, I think you should watch it and report back to me on that. Maybe you watch sneakers and I'll watch last temptation of Christ. Yep. Other than that, that's all I've done. I just watched a bunch of like YouTube shit. And I, I the first time ever that I've not watched one thing about Spider-Man 2. The only thing I watched was that trailer that we saw back in E3 when they did like the Isn't it out in like 15 minutes? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going into a cold and I'm actually happy about that. So yeah. That's the first time ever in a long time. Zach, Good. what about you? 
Uh, I played more Tactics Ogre. I'm doing the uh, the six optional dungeons for. I have to grind up to forty anyway. You decided to do the optional stuff anyway. I have to hit level forty anyway. All right, that's, gotta do that's, the, that's the level cap. So it's like, well, I'll do these dungeons and I'll monger power getting the, the shit from the six optional dungeons, which is Are actually going to do really... that hundred level dungeon. Fuck no. I'm not going <laughs> <laughs> to do that. <laughs> but, uh, so I'm, that, that's, that's where I'm at on that right now. I'm getting closer and closer. Uh, I started playing uh, mist again. <laughs> yeah. Because, because Andy was playing mist and I was talking to him about it and saying things about it. That's the sequel mist again. Missed again. That's Riven. I was actually missed. reading about Riven, and I really want to play it now. <laughs> Riven is so cool. Oh my god! But uh, I'm gonna try to hold out. <laughs> I'm just afraid you might have to wait a while. Is all I know. I, apparently, I mean, like I said, I was reading up on it, and that's their reputation. Is like, like we're doing it, and it will come. It just will be a while. Like, Kyan Worlds went through a, a really long rough patch there, where. Uh, it almost seemed like they were going to go under for a few years. Yeah, uh, it seems and, like they're back somewhat. Yeah, they were able to. Um, well, they did that game, uh, abduction, mm-hmm. and that was like a Kickstarter kind of experiment. You know, back when people were still, that was like the hot thing to try. Yeah, and it worked out for them, and abduction did well because there's there's a market for people that like that kind of games, and those kind of games don't really come out anymore, in my opinion. Is like, abduction? part of the story for mist is it in the same deal it's not no, okay good no. i added it to my xbox wish list and i think it's on sale like right now and i almost bought it and i thought wait a minute do i need to play riven and mist 3 and all this other shit first but no mist is self-contained and it's done so like one through five and uru mist is over now unless oh, okay. they decide to right. go back to it again yeah, I was uh, I was also looking up. I want to play that Miss Three on the Xbox, and it's backwards compatible on the 360, but it's not backwards compatible on the Series X. It's like in this really weird list of like ten games that are like that. And I was really upset. I was like, oh, God damn it! I wanted to buy the disc and play it on my X, my Series X, but okay. yeah. Um, I got the the new version of real mist they don't really call it mist though it's just it's just called mist and like steam and like yeah it's like on a, a baby blue background or something yeah it's i mean it shows the mist island like in a horizontal view it's just yeah. what it is but uh great ver- great nice gussied up version of the the original real mist uh uh I, the the one thing i can't really jive with is the the people that play the characters in the game are like now 3d models and the the Why? people, well, yeah, well, the people that play Sierras and Akinar, they're they're different voices now, mm. and I don't like the the guy that got to do the voice for Akinar. I don't like it. It's not as good as the original. Why would they recast him? What's the point? I don't know. The only one they probably didn't recast. I'm not sure about this yet because I haven't Beat gotten it. that far. Is Atris? Yeah. I don't yeah. know, uh, but like. Uh, there's an option on the PC version to play the original FMV videos for everybody if you want to do that instead. Oh, right on. So, I don't know. Uh, the, I like the original performances better. <laughs> it's funny because Rand Miller, he plays Atris and Akinar, uh, and his brother Robin played C- Sierras. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Rand Miller hated fucking acting. He, he hated it. And it he ended up being Atris the rest of the time anyway for the entire series. Mm. But uh, it's funny because like I think he did a good job. I don't know. He just he hates doing it, but I think like 
but goddamn it, the guy they got to play Akador sucks. <laughs> did I see? Did I get spoiled for me that Catherine turns up later? She's in Riven. Like the main plot of that game revolves around you saving her. Oh, oh there's okay. characters in the game. Yes. So the one misconception about this whole series is there's nothing goes on. There's you just slideshow. There's fucking no. story and yeah, lore. Told, in this you guys yell at you from books. Yeah. There's a whole story. It's just not like you know cutscenes of people telling you shit. It's like yeah. environmental storytelling. Andy, how much was it on Switch? Fifteen dollars, I think. That's not bad. Fuck, I'll get it. It's, it's a steal, man. Yeah. No, it's interesting because the version Zach is playing is completely different than the version on the Switch, which is completely different from the original version. Mist has a weird storied history, even regarding its releases. There's like at least five or six versions of that game. There's also a VR version. Yeah, the version you have is what's in the VR version. Yeah, from what I understand. I thought if it was available on the PlayStation, I was going to buy the PS4 version and play that puppy in VR, but nope. I thought you were going to say, I, I you were say I'm going to buy a PS5 to play that baby. I was like, what a, what <laughs> just, to buy, to buy just to play this? <laughs> that sounds like yeah. something I would do. I came this close to buying a PS5 and just playing Wild Arms on it, so don't play that. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, I love this. It's it's one of my favorite games, uh, and there's a whole iceberg of, of lore and story to it. Did you know that, uh, uh, for example, the guy, uh, Earth is an age that was created by somebody, for example, in Mist. So that's interesting. Oh, I need to watch that documentary you sent me now that I beat it. It's real short. It's like low quality because it's originally from like the the disc from way back in the day. But it's just interesting to see like what those guys were doing back then to make that game. Yeah. No, I'm Um, I'm real interested. I'm going to watch that maybe after we record. There's also a, a video uh, or like somebody interviewed Rand Miller about like mist and stuff. And it's a little bit longer than that. It's recent. It was done recently too. And he gives a little more, he goes a little more in depth about that kind of stuff. But uh, I also watched a bunch of stuff. <laughs> I watched uh, the exorcist believer, the new exorcist movie. Uh, tell me how it is. Is it, it is it okay? At least it's okay. Okay, it's it's like it's kind of mid. It's kind of middle of the road to me. Uh, I watched the half in the bag for it because I thought hey, I'll never see that movie, and uh, I guess they didn't care for it. It's like here's my thing. I said this, and I think in the movie chat when I initially watched it last week. Uh, to me, Exorcist felt like a real one and done kind of movie. Yes, mm-hmm. and I do not understand how they were squeezing sequels out of it because it's just like, how do you make anything after that? The second one is stupid. The third one is interesting. I will say. So the third one is good, right? Yeah, it's good. Zach, have you seen the third one? I've not seen the third one yet. I haven't even seen the second one, actually. So that's that's what they were saying in that half of the bag. I guess Jay is like super into the exorcist stuff. And he says the same thing. He says, watch the first one and immediately watch the third one and then stop. Because I guess the third one just deals with the same themes, but it tells it in a different way. Okay. And I thought, okay, that sounds interesting. Maybe I'll watch it one day. And then when I was watching those techno thrillers on the Criterion channel, uh, uh, it's on there. Just the third one is on Criterion channel. I thought, well, God damn it. Maybe I should fucking watch it this month then. Maybe you should. It's good. Um, it's like, it. so the themes they go with this one is like everybody from different religious 
paths kind of help to exercise the demons this time. It's like all all faiths have like an exorcism ritual or something. And it's it feels like Marvel team up of all the religions to get the demons. <laughs> like that's kind of silly. Honestly. Power of Taoism. I thought it was silly, but uh power of Islam. There were the char- the characters in it were done pretty well. Uh and that's kind of like the best things I could say about it. Uh, like, cause like the demons were like, I don't know. It wasn't like the first movie. It's like, so in terms of being like shocking and horrific and shit, it was nowhere near the first one. Honestly. So, and they I don't even take mean, a like, cross and fuck themselves with it. Like the first movie. Yeah. And saying shit like, lick me, lick me. <laughs> like, no, uh, but like, and I don't even mean that like all for the time when Exorcist came out. I'm just saying in general, it's just not as like horrific uh, as the old one was. I think we're dis- desensitized. I think I said that wrong. Uh, desensitized. No. Did I say said, it right? You said desensitized correctly. Yeah. So I think we're that in today's age compared to when movies like Jaws came out, the movie like Exorcist came out. Cause like when they do that wild shit, like people are like, puking and fe- you know fainting and not it's, wanting to go into the beach water because of fucking sharks and stuff yeah, i mean it's perpetually that's that's a non-ending cycle like we're already to the point where people are looking back on saw and be like man that's that's boring that's boring ass shit that's tame i can, I can watch worse than that on tiktok well some for that's sure true. i don't think that's necessarily true for a lot of people uh because okay for me, I'm somebody who I would say is really desensitized to like everything just because I enjoy that genre. Sure. Uh, but like, I still watch the original Exorcist. I'm like, damn, (laughs) it's still pretty unsettling at times. I think, uh, uh, if I could pat you on the back a little bit for a second, I think you're a smarter movie watcher than at least like 80% of other people. I, I'll agree with that assessment. I, I don't like, I don't claim I am or anything, but like, uh, I think general masses people get a real big scaredy cats in movies though. They don't like a lot of horrific things. I think part of it too is what is scaring you in the exorcist is of course some of it is just like, you know, outrageous scary stuff. I love that they put the face of the demon in just one frame. frame once in a while. Yeah. So I love that, that. That kind of stuff's brilliant. But also it's stuff like um, suspense and tone and like you pick up on keys because you're used to doing the show once a week and you got to think about a movie critically most people just want to go see the new piece of shit horror movie that comes out every year and gets forgotten about and will be four dollars at fye next year and they scream they they just they don't care they're not looking at it critically they're sitting there and they're already thinking about like oh i'm bored i'm gonna look at facebook on my phone oh i need to do this other thing oh on my way home i'm gonna pick up starbucks well they're like not they're not tuned into the movie and when you watch a movie your your brain is engaged you're picking up all these all these these um these breadcrumbs that the the director left for you and it's it's paying off because you're in the movie now and you're getting more out of it but i don't know maybe maybe that's me reading too much into your movie watching experience i have no idea no yeah i mean you pretty much said how i feel about movies i mean i'm still more i am of the camp i say this a lot where like I tend to take a lot of things for face value, what they are in the movie, whatever I'm watching. Hmm. Doesn't mean I don't ever try to analyze anything, but uh, that's just my philosophy. 
but I don't know. Like I was saying, though, it's they had some good characters. There was a character who was going to be a nun, and she had to like drop out of being a nun because she got pregnant out of wedlock or something. And she ends up being like one of the people that had to help get rid of the demons. And she's, <laughs> she was a cool character. Uh, since we since we casted you out of God's camp, we need your help. <laughs> uh, the Pope's Exorcist on Netflix is is a much more entertaining movie, dude. <laughs> <laughs> that movie's fucking awesome. Like it's so stupid though, but it's awesome. It, it's a good dumb horror movie, like it, because it's just more fun. Like it is what it is on the surface. Like somebody tried to make an Exorcist movie, and the the nature of the Exorcist is you have to be ser- super serial. Mm-hmm. And it just doesn't match up to the, the, the original because it's just that was such a unique movie and nothing will ever match it. Uh, Dude, but, Fat Russell Crowe is like a whole new level. Oh, he carries <laughs> that movie though. Yeah, I love his, that, the Pope's Exorcist is fun. Like, go go watch it. Andy, but, uh, let me just paint you a scene. Um, <laughs> uh, so the movie just came out, right? Yeah, out a, yeah, a little bit ago. Yeah, he he's doing like a an ex exorcism on this demon guy and he tells the demon yeah go into the pig and because he's like nagging the demon and the demon goes into the pig <laughs> fucking russell crowe takes a fucking shotgun and shoots the pig <laughs> it's fucking awesome <laughs> <laughs> that's how he exercised the demon <laughs> yeah <laughs> what works uh but uh what else i watch uh uh, uh paranormal activity i a lot of people, I, I fucking hate when people go, oh, fucking por- pa- paranormal activity. Yeah, It's cheesy when it gets later on in the sequels, but there's actually a story to it with all the cult shit and stuff that happened. Like, the first three are cool. Yeah. Some people don't even like the, the, the two sequels that came out after it, but I thought the first three were cool. Yeah, but I after that, the story. It stu- yeah, it gets stupid after the third one, though. It gets really dumb. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's been a long time since I've seen it. Uh, it was cool. Uh, I still enjoy that movie. That might still be the best found footage movie. Uh, Over Blair Witch? Uh, I haven't seen Blair Witch in a while either. I need to watch it again. Uh, but uh, I, I have Blair Witch on VHS. It's it's a perfect way. Dude, to watch that's it. rad. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> I don't have that anymore. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna fire it up on my old TV and watch it on on there eventually. It's the only way to do it. it. Uh, but like. I forgot how much of a dick her boyfriend is in that movie. <laughs> oh, um, he's totally that archetype of like, you know, there's always like, we moved into a house and it's the husband or the father that never listens and doesn't believe in anything and just thinks it's stupid. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I also watched black Christmas. Okay. Uh, the old one. Oh, oh yeah. The original don't the fucking bullshit remake sucks. Um, I was supposed to make a post about it in our movie nights uh, group, but uh, I've been sick for the last few days and I lost track of time. <laughs> I forgot about that. I wondered what it was tonight. It went up like right as we started recording, so I didn't get to see. Yeah, bro, uh, our friend reminded me like, hey, bro, are you doing this? And I was like, oh, my God, I totally forgot. I'm sorry, man. So he handled it. Tomorrow me and him mine. me and him are on the same page about that movie, so it's it's fine. <laughs> he can he can do it justice, but uh Great movie. If you've never seen the original, watch it. It's genuinely creepy. And I still can't believe it's done by Bob Clark, the guy who did Porky's in A Christmas Story. It's just so fucking insane. We reviewed it, right? On our show, right? Or did I, I Mandela affect it? I don't remember. I I may, so. Is that the one where the guy's like, I'm going to fuck you on the phone? 
Uh, he's har- he's harassing the girls in the sorority house on the yeah, phone. Yeah, we we watched it. It was part of Christmas. You chose oh, that. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Horror, horror movie for Christmas. I did it again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, great movie. Uh, I also watched a few videos. Like uh, I finished the Parasite E video from I played a video game, and I found out what the hell happened with uh, the third birthday. <laughs> that fucking franchise sinking video games <laughs> i have it by the way i'm sorry i know it was <laughs> it came well, i bought it on ebay it came with the fucking i'm bubble. sorry i know <laughs> <laughs> i just really like that, that exchange you guys had it was really sweet <laughs> I, did, like, I was i was really excited for that game and then like i found out it was such a festering turd and it like just flew in the face of everything anybody ever liked about those games was, oh god I turn it on once in a while and go, "Yep, shit game," and then I turn it off. <laughs> <laughs> you just keep it to re- keep you grounded. Yeah, that's basically, worth money now. I think mm-hmm. for some reason, because <laughs> well, there's not a lot of them. It was like uh, a real late release on the PSP, wasn't it? Yeah, it uh, was like the tail end. Yeah, it got delayed forever because uh, at that time, everybody internally in Square Enix was like going in circles, and development cycles were taking way too long for shit. Uh. Then I watched uh, the oldest view, which is a little series of videos Kane Pixels has been doing. He's been doing something else besides the back rooms. The right mall, now. right? Yeah, the, the the one he just released a few days ago, where the guys in the mall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, so he did like a te- like I'll call it a teaser, the first part of it, because it it shows this guy discovering a mall. Like he he finds a a stairwell leading down into the underground in the middle of a forest. He's like a, I guess it's kind of an urban explorer or some shit. This guy is supposed to be in the story. Andy, you ever play Minecraft? Minecraft? Yeah. Yes. You know, when you build <laughs> stairs all the way down to hell? Uh, yeah. Kind of like that. Well, that's what he discovers. Oh, that's pretty cool. Kind of like, it's like, so he goes all the way down this really long stairwell and finds like what is apparently an abandoned mall. (laughs) Like that's neat. That's kind of where the first video ends. And the second one is him returning and actually exploring the mall and stuff happens. I don't want to say anything else about it. It's just, it's really fun fact. Real mall. It was a real mall. It designed off of a real mall. And what chases the kid is real. It's actually uh, a, a thing in Dallas called the Parade of Giants. Yeah. So check that out if you're into like alternative horror, like internet horror shit. Uh, mm-hmm. Very cool. And that's everything I did. Well, you need to watch the video that I posted in Facebook, the radar one, the radar analog horror. Oh, okay. I'll repost it for you. It's really good. I guess I missed it. Oh, and I forgot to bring up. On one of the movies that I watched for Halloween because we're still in October. Um, Talk to me. Have you ever heard of that movie where the the girl like uh, they it's friends that are in a, a group and they have this little hand statue. And if oh, you, that's the new A twenty four movie that came out earlier this year. Yeah, it's really good. Like a lot of people have been giving shit about it, but I I enjoyed it. There's actually some cool themes in that movie. So. Mm. I highly recommend it. Might check it out then. Yeah. I twenty four. A twenty four is fucking 
cool. Oh, speaking of A24, uh, I just want to bring up the Iron Claw uh, movie. The, oh, yeah. The fucking Zac Efron. Um, what's the name of the, the, the wrestlers again? I forgot. He's, he's uh, Kevin Von Eirich. Yeah, the Von Eirich. Oh, brothers. yeah. You said it's coming out, but it's not. Is there a trailer for it or anything? Yeah, yeah I, linked the, I linked the trailer in the movie chat. Like, um, I, I was at I work, so and bad. I was like, I'll watch it later, and I forgot. It's I'll, really I'll good. Send, I'll send trailer. you the trailer later. Uh, as long as we're talking about trailers that got us excited, and I know no, we don't normally, but uh, today the trailer for Ferrari dropped, Adam, that new Adam Driver movie directed by Michael Mann. Man, it looks good. I want to see that. <laughs> I saw a trailer for that earlier. Yeah. I yeah, linked it in the, the movie chat and everything a few weeks ago. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, there's, there's like a, a long one now. Oh, a longer one. Yeah. That movie's going to be cool probably. Yeah, I think so. Nice. I'm, I, you know, I'm hyped for the Iron Claw. Uh, we haven't had a really good wrestling movie in a long time, I would say. Yeah. Because wrestling sucks. <laughs> Fuck you. I mean, <laughs> these days it kind of sucks. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's sign off here. Uh, Mahalan Drive will be the next and final movie of David Lynch month, and uh, PP Dubs will take us out. And I'm gonna put. I'm going to use this as a placement because this is where I cut it and stuff. So this is why I'm playing this video. Probably. Yeah. I wish I would evolve. I wish I would evolve. Where's my iconic slave role? Mother. I wish I would evolve. Call y'all! Call y'all! Wolf speed don't rainbow read me, nigga! Ah! Don't worry, that's not gonna be on the show. That's just a placement for me to cut things. Yeah, I was gonna say there's a word in there. We might not want it in our pocket. Yeah. Well, it's like on... before though, it's pretty funny. They played on there. Wow, that chick dancing on the car was weird. Anyways, if you want to catch more Big Trouble in Little Podcast, follow them on Spotify and iTunes and give them a review. Also, follow them on Twitter, at BigTroubleNet. Next week, the boys and the resurrection of Chaz will be talking about Mulholland Drive. So, strap in, fellas, it's about to get weird.